Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I open my Bible and allow God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, dianebells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes. you ever felt hopeless, like nothing good could ever happen again? Well, I have. And that's why I created the Hope Station. Each week, you will hear amazing stories of hope from people just like you. People who have transformed disastrous, disappointing, and depressing events in their lives into messages of hope. Turning tragedy to triumph, pain to purpose, crisis to new careers all through the power of hope. So sit back, relax, and pull into the Hope Station, the place where you can refuel, refresh, and realign your hopes and dreams. You're listening to episode number two of the Hope Station podcast. What do you do when you've done everything that you believe to be right as a mother, but your child keeps on making mistakes? Not just traffic ticket or forgetting to hand in homework mistakes. Today, we're talking about meth mistakes. Our guest today, Heidi Jaramenko, will share with you the story of how her daughter, with a once promising future, fell into a life-altering meth addiction. Heidi was broken and hopeless, seeking God's help for healing. Thankfully, both Heidi and her daughter are healed through God's grace and have found renewed hope. Heidi now wants to help others stuck in the isolation and shame of loving someone with an addiction. Heidi will share some powerful suggestions on how to repair brokenness through forgiveness. Thank you, Heidi, for your willingness to share this painful yet triumphant story. So my hopeless situation started about four, four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't hopeless. I d- dissolved into hopelessness. A um, little bit of my background. I'm a wife, a mom. I have four kids. They're now 27, almost 24, 14 and 12. Okay. And I also have two little grand wonders that are two and three. So prior to this, my daughter at the time, the 24-year-old, was, uh, she's about 17, and she had graduated early. She graduated high school early. She had a full-ride scholarship to college. She started Mm -hmm. college. Um, You know, I was busy raising my boys. You know, everything just like in normal life. (laughs) My daughter managed to go ahead and get in with the wrong crowd and fell into a serious meth addiction. Obviously, Where did she fall into the wrong crowd at? What's that? Like when she, when she started in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was young. Like I said, she graduated early. Uh, yeah. Year and a half early from high school. So she was already in college. She had went to a party. Somebody said, Hey, you want to try this? And she did. Then it kind of dissolved farther and farther what after the conversations that we had had and it went from her just smoking it to the guy that she then started seeing taught her how to shot shoot up come to find out that they got all their drugs from his mother dissolved into this whole entire world of addiction sucked into all of that in one respect because she's my daughter you know trying to help her it had got to the point where you know, we would wonder if she was alive or dead, what was going on. Her dad, him and his wife would watch like her Facebook page or her messenger. And we would see that she hasn't been on in three days. 
So we knew that she had fallen out. Hopefully she didn't die. When she had gotten arrested, I found out about it because she was on the news. People had called me and said, uh, she's arrested. Did you see this? I had gotten to the point where I was so broken with that. During that time, she also got pregnant. No surprise. They kind of go hand in hand. So uh, she had a baby. She's partially drug addicted. She was kind of sober at the end of it and cleared her drug tests. As, uh, CPS and everything gave her her daughter. And by this point, she was back at home living with us. But after about six weeks, she said, Mom, I can't do this anymore. And she left her daughter with us and left. And so at that point, I had two little boys and a baby with special needs that would not sleep, that we would, I spent my nights up all night long. Uh, She constantly had to be moved. So I would literally be walking around our kitchen like this till my lips were numb. As that went on over two years, actually it was a year and it was constant. And I just sunk lower and lower and lower in brokenness, but still had to go ahead and be a mom and a wife and a mom and a mother and a grandmother. And what was the brokenness that you were feeling? It was, and I just realized this about mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. A little over a year. It was, what did I do wrong as a mother? Okay. So whether we want to admit it or not, or whether it's not pleasant, there is something in society that says, hey, if your kid chooses this, what kind of parent were you? What kind of family did they grow up in? What did you do wrong? Mm. And I asked myself that so many times, what did I do wrong? Why, how could my insanely smart child, literally, go from all of that to living in her car, selling herself, leaving her baby, all of that. Like I had to messed up somewhere and God, this is so not fair. Why me? Mm. Then on top of that, I mean, my husband and I were struggling just to barely keep our marriage together. My boys were very angry because their mom was taken away and her attention was taken away with a baby. They were angry and everyone was angry. Everyone was angry. Everyone was broken. It just was not pleasant. So you were a believer at that time. You you, you had a faith. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, God, there has to be something. I mean, I remember praying literally up until last July, Lord, bring me a new season. I need a new season. I can't do this. Please give me a new season. Everybody likes to say, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And there is nowhere in the Bible that says that whatsoever. (laughs) I love these quotes that people throw out to make you feel better. Like, yeah, you should be good, Heidi. You're not giving me any more. You won't give me more than you can handle. No, he's... We get everything thrown at us and it's a matter of, do we go ahead and give it to him? And what do we do with that so that he can carry us through this point where um, she had had Allie, she went back in to go ahead and get an IED and she was pregnant again. So we now have two babies that are approximately 10 months apart. Wow. And she was doing better and all of it. Well, then she thought she could hang out with a friend who was okay. Well, she wasn't okay. And then needless to say, she got arrested, probation violation, new drug charges. And then we had two babies. And it was just like, I I can't do any more. God, I'm literally, I was looking to go check myself in somewhere. Like I was certain I was going to lose my ever-loving mind. Right. I don't even, I don't even know how I found it. It was somebody had put a post of a post of a something, um, but it was reading the Bible cover to cover with a bunch of women. And then finding that she actually had a coaching program. And that's kind of first how I found out about it. Literally, I, I remember like the tagline was, are you broken on your bathroom floor? As I'm literally sitting in the shower crying, because that's what I would do. I would cry in the shower because my right. boys couldn't hear me. Mm. And they wouldn't ask me, mom, what's wrong? Did Annalise do it again? What did Annalise do? That literally had become, as soon as I was crying or upset, their automatic words were, what did Annalise do now? They had to be resentful of her then. Just Mm -hmm. very much so. That's where their anger was directed. Yep. Because they see what she, her behavior is doing to their mother. 
Some mm-hmm. it's like they lost their mother and their sister. Yep. Then they had another sister, not sister, niece thrown in the mix of it. I couldn't go ahead and coach my son's soccer for the first time in three years because I had a baby, mm-hmm. you know, just all these different dynamics of everything. And I just felt so lost and hopeless. My husband and I were in marriage counseling. I mean, you name it. It was just this conglomeration of everything. And I remember one night, it was three o'clock in the morning and I live in North Idaho. It's cold. We have winter. And I think my breaking point that night, Allie was crying and crying and crying and crying just incessantly. And I had finally just put her in her bassinet and I went outside and it was freezing. I think it was like 28 degrees. It was snowing. And I remember sitting out there for the first time, just crying. And I literally cursed my daughter. I was like, you know, I, I don't deserve this. I'm praying that God would just either take me out of it, take her out of it, mm-hmm. whatever form that may take, whether it was the drugs, whether it was off this earth, that I just literally could not do it anymore. Mm. That and that I needed some rest. My soul needed rest. My spirit needed rest. Physically and mentally, I needed rest. I started focusing on the verses, you know, that he's our strength. He's our redeemer and all of it. And I'm like, God, I can't even focus on that. I just, I know what your promises are, but I'm, I'm too far gone. I had, like I said, come about the Bible challenge and really started reading that and then into the coaching. And one of the main things in there was, a, was an exercise in forgiveness. And it was like an exercise on forgiving yourself. And then you had to, um, after you did that, you had to do another person to go ahead and forgive. I literally put off doing it to the last week. I had 90 days and I did not do my daughter until the last week. <laughs> and so that's delayed like, disobedience too. Yes. Right? <laughs> oh, yes. We're, we're going to delay disobedience <laughs> on that one. And, and even though I knew it wasn't true, somewhere in the back of my mind felt that if I forgave her, that I was absolving her of what she did to us and what she did to me. And in doing it though, you know, which I knew wasn't the case, but in actually walking that out, um, it was, it wasn't about her. The forgiveness was for me. It wasn't for her. It freed me. Well, let's go back to just your, your comment that, uh, you felt in some way by forgiving her, you were absolving her of any anything that she's done. So why why was that hard to sort of separate the two, forgiveness and she's done our family wrong? She just, it, was it like you thought she was going to get out of jail free or? I don't know. You know, I don't even know if it was a get out of jail free. It was... I wanted her to be able to take responsibility for everything and to, and don't get me wrong where we're at right now. She has, I mean, we are very much past that. We've had actually lots of conversations um, about this. And I specifically asked her permission when I started going into this, if I could use her name, if I could tell our story and all of it. And she said, yes. Because she said it wasn't just about me. It affected you, mom. It's your story as well. Well, just a, so. a question for that. If forgiveness is, I, I believe it's such a big challenge. I talked to someone yesterday about it too. So it seems to be a, a theme topic that I'll have a month of forgiveness, right? right. Uh, to look and say, I'll forgive her when she takes responsibility for it. Do you feel like she had to do something and then you would do something? You know, it, I don't know that I would specifically it wasn't related to her that if she would go ahead and do this, then I could. Okay. Um, it was, I think it was part of, if I went ahead and forgave her mm-hmm. and we all know that when we forgive somebody, we're supposed to let that go. That is mm-hmm. the point of forgiveness. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't ready to let it go. Okay. And I think that that was a really big part of it. Even though I hated everything that it kept me caught up in. Mm letting that go meant I was okay with it. In your mind, you believe mm-hmm. that those two things were yep, connected. That those okay. two were together in it. Consciously, I knew that obviously that's not the case, but that's right. just what what was keeping me bound in that. That and 
the way this forgiveness exercise was laid out, it was very, very specific. It wasn't, um, I forgive you for doing drugs and wrecking your family. It was line by line, very specific things. It turned out to be 11 pages. Annalise, I forgive you for, and what was there? The very last page. And when I was doing it, I knew I was almost done because literally the last thing I wrote out on there was Annalise, I forgive you for having me outside in the bitter cold broken and cursing you for everything that you put me through. Mm -hmm. I forgive you for doing that to me. And that was like the last thing. It was like, okay, there you go. So how did it feel when you released her or you forgave her? What, what was the difference in your own spirit, in your own emotions? What happened? Uh. (laughs) <laughs> well I the, process, <laughs> the process that day like I, I had told my husband I was taking a class on Saturday and he knew that that was part of my homework and I'm like all right today's the day I, I'm gonna do this forgiveness work and he's like okay I got the boys lock the bedroom door so no one interrupts you and have at it I was broken broken beyond measure broken before God. Um, sorry. Uh, I was just perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's go ahead. Cry. <laughs> I'll cry. I with was, you, if uh, it makes you feel better. laid out literally. Like I started at my desk and then writing, and then I had sat on the bed and I was writing. And as I brought up, like I said, every single item of, I forgive you for, I remember praying, God, I can't do this. This is too hard. I don't want to do this. This is too hard because a lot of it, I thought I had let it go. So it was bringing it all back up again and just to the surface. I was like, God, I don't want to do this. For the first time, I don't know how you want to classify it. God talked to me, Holy Spirit, like an audible voice of do this, do this, finish this. And so I kept writing and I got two more pages. And I was on the floor over by there. And I just remember just praying and crying. And God said, finish this. There's a platform for your pain. It's not void. And at the time, I had no idea what that looked like. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that, you know, I was in the middle of this and I was going to be obedient. I was obedient about so many other things from selling our house to my kids and major decisions. You wouldn't figure that some forgiveness work would break me. (laughs) So you said you were feeling broken beyond measure. You were broken before God. You don't want to do this. You couldn't do this. You finished. And then what happened? It was the most beautiful, overwhelming sense of peace. Mm. And like literally those two ton bricks that had been weighing me down and all that anger and the resentment and the fear and all of it. God just said, thank you. And here you go. You felt that God thanked you for doing that. Thank you. Here you go. Wow. And it was literally the epitome of, you you know, his burden is like my burden was like, I walked out of that room and my husband said, you're okay. Aren't you? I mean, like he could just tell it was at that point. I was just like, wow, I I couldn't even, we didn't even talk about it for about a week because I just couldn't even put into words. Number one, that whole entire experience. I've never had that audible do this, you know, and all that. I didn't even know what that looked like. So, I mean, God just rocked me. (laughs) A a better way to describe it, you know? And then I was like, wow. And I fought this for so long. For why? For what? You know, as as the weeks went on and everything else, you know, I kind of, I spent more time praying. Okay, God, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. platform for what <laughs> and I knew part I of that chills too. running up and down my arm so go ahead <laughs> yeah um 
that and before I knew I needed to go ahead and talk with Annalise. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I knew that I needed her permission or maybe permission, blessing. Okay. So where um, was she at this time that you were doing this forgiveness exercise? Was she living with you? She where? was. She, she had been living with us with both of her girls and okay. everything. Uh, she uh, was in the middle of completing treatment. She has done that. She's actually been sober now for almost two years. Yes. So, I mean, there is a redeeming all the way around in all of this. Uh, She has both of her girls. She actually just got engaged. I mean, God has just brought this so full circle of everything. So she was here. So what did, when you talk to her about you forgiving her, what did that do for her? I don't know exactly what all it did for her. Okay. Personally, um, I know that the two of us discussing it, that and we are really close for all of this stuff that has happened. We literally talk multiple times a day. (laughs) So, and when I talked to her about it, told her what was up and asked her, you know, whatever this looks like, she was very clear and she didn't hesitate. She said, mom, this is my story as much as it is yours. Yours is just from a different perspective. Right. She says, I don't get to say no, because my stuff affected everyone. She said, so I had my own journey on it, but this is yours. Mm. And she said, and whatever that looks like, you get to go ahead and share that. And I'm fine with it. And she said, and no, it might not paint me in a pretty light and that's okay. She said, but that's also part of owning my addiction. So that's kind smart of Smart girl, it, right? She yes. She was smart. <laughs> she is a smart girl. That, that there you can say that, you know, that she is healing mm-hmm. to even own that. Mm-hmm. That's just, there was no blame. There were all the things that you thought that you did wrong. Right. Your daughter, your daughter said. Oh yeah. She straight up said, this is, that, this is me. It was, it was really funny. Well, I shouldn't say it was funny. The irony in it, mm-hmm. um, cause she's caught in a lot of charges. She got two different felony drug charges, possession charges, spent time in jail, by the grace of God, and like the judge said, your mother's letter, uh, she didn't have to spend any serious jail time. In her treatment, mm-hmm. she also laid out everything as to why. She knows her why. And part of that also, um, she struggles with bipolar and mental health. And that was a really big proponent of mm-hmm. all of this. So that was one thing that she really owned. And we we still work on, you mm-hmm. know, and at least you have to take your meds. Mm-hmm. If you do not take your meds, you know, we're going to be back to this. It was nice. She having her own, her stuff made it help. And I had to own mine. Mm-hmm. I had to ask my boys and my husband for forgiveness for the way I treated them because I was so wrapped up in everything with her. Right. So it was a full circle of stuff that we're still working on healing, but is much better now. Okay. So that went, that's a work in progress, but a hundred times better than it was because their mom's not broken anymore. Right. And just the amazing story. How has that impacted the rest of your family's faith of seeing your, their mother, their wife, their grandmother, I don't know who <laughs> else is connected, have that, have that transformation in our own spirit. Um, my husband was really pleased. Like he said, he, he missed his wife. Yeah. So he missed his wife and the woman that he married, not the, the person that I, I had become because I was so overwhelmed and broken. Mm-hmm. You know, my boy said, it's nice that you're back, mom. My youngest said, can you coach me in soccer now? (laughs) And your answer was? Yes, I can. (laughs) So, you know, we had had another round of that. And the boys have that and having, I mean, it was trying with Annalise living here and both the girls. I mean, they're two and three right now, almost three and four. But my boys now call themselves the youngles because they are the young uncles. (laughs) And so, you know, when the girls come over now, they, they'll visit with them. They play with them. They do things. There's not as much of of that resentment there Mm -hmm. and they can enjoy the time. 
And I now can go ahead and be a Mimi and not a mom. Yeah, that makes a difference. Well, yes. has their faith changed? Have, have they seen something in you that has strengthened their faith? Um, my boys are kind of in between on that. My husband, yeah. That and I mean, one day he, we were praying about something and he's like, you know, why don't you go ahead and do that? Because evidently God talks directly to you. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, they kind of only happen once and, you know, you just got to be willing to listen. <laughs> so they have noticed the difference. My parents noticed the difference. Like my mom said, you know, I'm so proud of your walk and everything else and just what God has moved and done in your life. She said, just seeing it all over you and a different person. So my parents really have recognized that my husband's relatively new. Um, he only got saved about a year and a half ago, but my parents could see it right off because I was raised in a Christian home and everything else. So like they said, just seeing that difference, like my mom said, in your countenance, everything that you have been through, right. she said, you can just see that you're so much. Let's just talk about that delayed disobedience. What would be, <laughs> what were you delaying? We know you were delaying the forgiveness. Was there anything else? <laughs> delayed obedience. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it was, yeah, it was probably more delayed <laughs> obedience. I, I, um, I like alliteration myself. So it was small. So it was um, with the faith journey or what else was involved? Um, it was in both forgiving her that and then God lining out what I'm going to do. He very specifically said, there's a platform for your pain. And, you know, I'm praying about that. Okay, God, what does that look like? What does that mean? That means you get to go ahead and walk other people through this. Like you have been through that. You have been through my refining fire. He gave me the verse of Job 2310. And it was just like, okay, all right. The name of my company is Refined Through Fire. Right. I know what I get to go ahead and do. And the only thing I haven't done is launch. <laughs> Let the world know about it. And what are you going to launch, Heidi? I am going to go ahead and launch a coaching program. Okay. So, and it is for anyone that's been impacted by a loved one's addiction. The thing that was so hard through all of this is it's very lonely. It's very, okay. you don't want to share that. People, mm -hmm. how are your kids? You know, you don't want to share what's going on with your drug addicted daughter. It keeps you very locked in. And there's so many people that it affects. Right. And nobody talks about it. It's lonely and there's nothing for the people that love the addict. There's nothing for the mom or the dad or the spouse or the adult child whose parents they had to deal with, you know, growing up and having them be an addict. There's, I think it's an Al-Anon. I went to, the, I went to that once and I was like, nope, God said, we're not doing this. <laughs> Going through this. So I want to be able to help people through this. I learned so much, you know, and how to go ahead, how to get through it, how to set boundaries that are not comfortable and are pleasant. Mm -hmm. And that, you know what, even if your loved one doesn't get sober, you can still be healed. The key point in it. Okay. It's not based on them ever getting sober. Cause I did all this while my daughter was sober, not sober, sober, not sober. Mm -hmm. And the average addict falls back into it a minimum of three to seven times. They will relapse okay. in one shape, form or another. So after the third time, if they do not stay in their addiction, they can normally not relapse again. But a lot of people don't know that they don't understand it. So it sounds like you're giving some hope yourself. I want to get back to one point that you made. They don't want to share. So I understand that totally. Why do you think that is when it's so prevalent? Like we know it, it's in the news all the time. The amount of fentanyl addictions and just heroin addictions. And it's everywhere. So why don't you think they want to share? And then the next question, I hope we both remember. 
is what is the power of sharing? What what can sharing do to help them? I don't believe, well, number one, lots of people don't realize the amount of addictions that there are. I worked with a woman whose son was an alcoholic, but she kept telling me he wasn't an addict because he's he doesn't do drugs. Okay. So number one, understanding that there are numerous types of addictions. Okay. Drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, shopping, gambling. There's about eight different addictions. Right. Depending upon the addiction, people don't share because there's lots of shame behind Mm -hmm. them. So they don't want to go ahead like me. I didn't want to put out there. Oh yeah, my family is great. My oldest daughter is doing great. Bought a house, getting married. Oh, the other one. Yeah, she's sitting in county. I have her two babies. There's there's shame in that. Just keeps you quiet. It keeps you living in your own stuff Mm -hmm. because what are people going to think? Or for the spouse whose husband is so wrapped up in porn and everything else, there is the shame of that. There's internal shame of what am I doing wrong? Why aren't right. I attractive enough? There, That's a whole other thing. What's wrong with me? And it creates a whole entire wheel of all sorts of emotions and thoughts, whether they're true or not. Right. We believe them to be true. Our brain right. believes them to be true. Um, so therefore we tend to suffer in silence and it's lonely. Yeah. And nobody wants to put it out there. What do you feel power? And, and this is where I'm just seeing the, the story and I, I've, I've lived part of this myself. I'm just going to say that my daughter uh, who passed away, she was bipolar as well. And just watching the whole bipolar behavior and the different things that she would, you know, whether it was food, whether it was, um, you know, smoking cigarettes, alcohol, you know, just getting high, whatever they needed to do to feel normal. She just Mm -hmm. didn't want to feel normal with medication. She wanted to try it her own way. And just the shame. They they prefer the manic of it. Right. It's so like, I'm like, oh, here it comes. Uh-huh. You can see here it. <laughs> it comes. It, it's like just shows up in the room. Superpowers, you know, yes. that they have. They said it's probably a better high than any high you could get from drugs anyway. So that, that manic part of it. What mm-hmm. would be the power? Because I feel like when, when there's shame, you know, the devil's involved, right? When there's seclusion, the devil's involved. When we're focused on blaming ourselves, the devil's involved. When we have, like you said, the wheels of emotion, the devil's involved. And mm-hmm. how do you break his power in the midst of those addictions? I don't know if you have an answer, but as you're saying that, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, the devil side of this story. And then, yes. you know, the God side of this story is when he's thanking you. Yes. And I, the the power in it, the power Mm -hmm. in it for me, the first step of that was the forgiveness. Okay. The ultimate starter jumpstart in this was forgiveness. Why do you think that's so powerful to break all these chains? Because when we're forgiven, we're free. (laughs) God God forgave us and we're free. Right. So when we have that power to go ahead and forgive somebody else, we're free. We're not bound by all the chains of their addiction, of their emotions, of our emotions. Mm. In answer to your question, the power of sharing gives you freedom. You can get freedom. You can break free of that shame. That and having a group around you that I think just knowing that you're not alone. Okay especially as a parent and a spouse, like my husband talks in a section about it because men and women handle it very differently. Absolutely. So um, mine was emotional and everything else. His was anger, lots of anger. He'll make different comments even now. And I'm like, you still got some forgiveness work to do because this is still here under the surface and it's ugly. He's like, you're right. And part of that forgiveness and in truly walking that out is letting it go. And sometimes that's a daily thing. Just because we go, I'm not Jesus. I can't forgive 
and forget. We are human. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but it's being mindful of that. Like the one time when she relapsed. Oh, here we go again. See, what was the purpose in forgiving her? We're doing this. She fell off. And all of this stuff just kept coming and just bombarding. And I mean, I literally remember sitting in my car going, not today, Satan, straight up. Good for you. Not today, (laughs) Satan. Praying in that moment that yes, it was a relapse, but we don't stay in it. Don't let her stay in it. Having that discussion with the person. So her and I talk, what happened? It was a breakup. It was a seasonal change because we tanked in October to November with bipolar. Right. It was all of these things all compromised into mm-hmm. one. And the fact that somebody was around and said, hey, mm-hmm. you want to. But she did it. She felt awful. She came and told us about it. She didn't hide it. Said, this is what's happened. This is what I did. And owned every single little bit of it, which also makes that easier to walk through. And forget and to not get caught up in in it. Okay. So the power is continuing in forgiveness, that it's not a one and done, having others around, just knowing that you're not alone. So with your program, you we had talked a little bit about working, walking into Al-Anon and saying, you know, the Lord saying that this isn't it. How is your program or your coaching, how is it going to be different than that? What, what's the alternative that you're offering? My alternative is faith-based. It's not find your higher power. I'm okay. sorry. I already know who my higher power is. <laughs> um, and honestly, they want to dummy it down. They want to make it all encompassing for every walk. And I, I don't want to make it for every walk. My walk is with the Lord. I would not be able to do this if it wasn't for God, period. That's it. Bottom line, that can be a testimony to someone else. That's what it is. That if, you know what, if that brings them back to God, if that brings them to God, if I can be a part in any of that, I'm all for it. I don't want to dumb it down or take God out of it because God's all about it out back are not going to give you truly what you need. Well, it's almost like saying, I I want to have all the power of God. I just don't want to call it God because I don't know what, it's just funny when you see people will like the universe. Well, who created the universe? Do you want to talk to earth or do you want to talk to the creator? It's different and it's faith-based. And I guess a lot of it, I'm assuming is about forgiveness. (laughs) It is. Along with that, honestly, it was a lot of mindset changes too. Okay. So it was about the forgiveness work. It was um, learning to think differently so that she's not doing these things to me. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just happening to me, but she's not, believe me, I'm not a thought in her mind while she's out shooting up. Right. (laughs) walking through all of that. So it's forgiveness. It's figuring out that. And it's a lot of being honest with yourself. That was the one thing. And I think that had been part of my delayed disobedience is (laughs) I don't care what people think of me. I am not everybody's cup of tea. I normally have bright blue hair. I am me and I don't really care if people like me or not then why aren't you doing this? You know, what's your deal? My deal is that I might not care about what people think of me as a person or if they like my personality, but doggone it, I really care. And it would hurt me if they think I was a bad mom. And that's what it was about. Wow. Okay. So So that that was the core of it. Yeah. That was my root is that, and that was the whole thing. I kept telling myself, I don't care what people think. I can go ahead and do this. It doesn't matter. No, I care what they think about me as a mother. What did I do wrong that she did this? Why did I allow her to go ahead and do that? For the spouses that are in it, why are you still married to them? Why are you settling for this? There are all the limiting things that are stuck in our head Mm -hmm. that go ahead and keep us bound. So 
figuring out your worth and who God says you are, along with figuring out exactly what are your limiting things that are holding you there, along with forgiveness and boundaries. Boundaries are huge. So that's kind of a sub thing that I'm doing just kind of as a, a 90 day is boundaries, because I think And I've really found after talking with lots of people is women especially struggle to set boundaries, wives and mothers and everything else, because we have this thing that we're supposed to do all this, or, you know, we should do that and do this. Or the nurturer, right? Yes. Or the nurturer, we're supposed to help you. You're my child (laughs) and you can do anything you want to me. And like, no. Yeah. Yep. And it's really hard to go ahead for a lot of women to set boundaries, to not be that people pleaser. So there's a whole area in there and setting specific boundaries with your addict. I did. I cut off my daughter. Mm -hmm. I told her I'm I'm not doing this. I literally blocked her in social media. I blocked her phone number. Her dad and I would tag team. So him and his wife, when I couldn't handle anymore, they jumped in. And when my husband and I were done, we did it. Um, But I had told her right now, you don't have a mother. When you want to get sober, when you want to get help, when you seriously want to do all of these things, I will be here for you as quick as can be. But other than that, right now, for my own sanity, mm-hmm. I'm drawing these boundaries. And I'm not your mom right now. I do love you, but I'm not here. Was that hard? Was that as hard <sighs> as, as oh, yeah. the forgiveness part? <laughs> Setting yes. the boundaries? That, that when I actually had that conversation and put those things, all of that actually into words out of my head and into words to her, I got through the conversation and I hung up and I literally crumbled to the floor and sat there crying. My husband had heard it all. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. I know that that is the most difficult thing that you have ever done in your life. And he said, and I'm proud of you. So that meant a lot. Hence how I didn't find out that she was arrested until she was on TV. (laughs) So, well, that's a good thing. Sometimes it's just like, you know, not knowing in between, not knowing. And this is where I feel like the devil comes in and attacks and saying, well, you mustn't really care about her. What kind Mm -hmm. of mother are you? So Mm -hmm. it really is knowing who's coming to get you, who's trying to take your child down, who's trying to rip your family apart. And yeah. setting up boundaries with him as well and saying, mm-hmm. it's dead, not today, not today, not, not today. today and not and tomorrow. Being, <laughs> and being able to recognize that too, in that moment, right. I'm finally to the point where literally if I see a restricted number on my cell phone, it doesn't elicit fear in me. A restricted number was the police or a hospital calling. So I can actually look at that and my heart doesn't stop anymore. And people don't realize there's a bit of PTSD that goes along in this. Yeah. Stuff like that. Freedom on the other side of that and walking it out. Your strength is obvious during this conversation. Your confidence is obvious. (laughs) Thank you. So if you had to look at the Heidi before all of this situation happened and the, the Heidi now, what are the differences? I walk in a lot more grace, forgiveness as a daily process, and I found my joy. The Lord said he'd refine you. That's, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah, But I didn't, I wasn't taking ownership of those. Okay, good. It was there, but I refused to take ownership of that. Okay. And that's the difference too. And that goes back to the whole boundaries. Right. You know, I'm not taking on her stuff. And when that would come up after learning everything, I mean, obviously now I can take a look at that. Sorry, I'm not taking that on. Mm -hmm. My favorite, one of my favorite sayings is not my circus, not my monkeys. (laughs) So um, (laughs) she is my monkey, but her stuff is not my circus. So I've learned not to take things on to keep my joy and my peace. And I'm not going to take on the label of shame or the label of bad mom or anything else. Call them labels, shames, limiting beliefs, however you want to look at that. 
mm-hmm. each of those for I'm a bad mom. No, I'm not. I'm an amazing mother. And right. God has given me the strength of everything else. Right. So I did an exercise where literally it was writing out all the things that you think of yourself mm-hmm. and then literally crossing them out and writing what God says you are. Perfect. So I don't take on any of those. So you're really knowing how to, how to set all kinds of boundaries that you're really, as you said, you, you could now, you, you found your joy. So what bit of advice would you give to anyone who's struggling with someone who you love, who's, who's into addictions? What are some things that you would say? I would say they might be your monkeys, but it's not your circus. <laughs> okay. That they're choosing themselves and you get to choose yourself because if yourself is not whole, you're going to be no good to them ever. If you recapture your joy and your purpose and what God has for you, what they do will not wreck your world. And you're stronger than you know. And where does your strength come from? All of my strength comes from the Lord. And to know that that's uh, an endless resource of of strength is just amazing. I just want to thank you for sharing your story with me. Thank you. uh, It was an awesome story and it brought chills and it brought us back some memories that I have myself. And, you know, I'm just excited for you and excited for all the people that God's going to bring to you that also needs mind by his fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's learning that process. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And it's just how God works. It's just like, just obey. And it's so funny when you do that, because I had had a similar experience with God, just immediately wiping out anger and frustration and everything that I had that, when you're saying it, I'm like, he can do that. Yes. He's done it for me. Yeah. He can, he's done it for Heidi. He can do it for anyone listening. You just have to get to the point to say, I will do it your way. And that, that was mine that I, I'm, I'm going to do it your way because my way is not working. And I can't say I've been doing it straight for 24 years when I had my bathtub miracle, I call it. But <laughs> every time I'm not, I realized that disobedience causes me to lose my joy. Yes. And I'm saying, I want that back. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. get back. What oh, do I need to do? What do I need to do? What I need to do is obey his will. And it's yes. not like he's asking us to do horrible things, right? No. It's not like he's asking us to go to the cross. He's asking us to, to take the pain that we have and what he's brought to us to to free us to heal us and to give it to other people and just think if more people were just saying i have this this gift that god gave me he downloaded all this information and he wants you to hear it because he wants to set you free too who doesn't want freedom right <laughs> exactly and said, i don't know about that yeah i don't know <laughs> We just asked and he's like, here you go. Thank you for being obedient. Here you I go. I know. And that's, that's what makes me want to cry. You know, that it just, that uh, he is a good and gracious father and everything he does, it, it's for us to make us the best version we can be, to make us more Christ-like. And boy, we are just so stubborn. Stubborn. <laughs> stubborn. We want to do it our way. We're, I, I feel like I'm still a little kid. No, I want to do it this way. And yes. the difference is just amazing. So Heidi, I, I I just feel very blessed by you sharing your story with me. So thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you for <laughs> having me on and choosing me and letting me tell it. I appreciate I know. it. You did a great job. You did a great thank job. You. Wow. Was that a great story of faith, hope, and love? Even though this is the Hope Station podcast, I really believe that Heidi's story is mostly a love story. And the proof to that can be found in one of the most quoted love stories in the Bible. And I'm not talking Adam and Eve. I am talking about the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. And I'm going to use chapter 
13, verse 7, to show you what love is all about. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Funny we can hear that quoted so often at weddings, and I wonder how many of us are living it in our daily lives. I know I'm not. So did you hear the love throughout this story? Heidi's love for her daughter ensured that she did not give up on her. Heidi's love for her daughter also ensured that she set boundaries. I love how Heidi's husband was encouraging her. An act of love to continue on the journey to forgiveness. And how Heidi of course, encouraged her husband to give up his anger. They are all acts of love. Oh, I love that Heidi's now able to be a soccer mom to her sons again. And I love that Heidi is a grandmother with her grand wonders. And the center of this story is really the love of a father for the love of a daughter and the love of a daughter to the love of her father. Because that's why forgiveness is so hard. It is an act of love, and not just love for the person who we feel has wronged us, but an act of love to our Father who encourages us, especially in the prayer that his Son taught us in the Our Father, as I call it, to forgive others as he has forgiven us. Ah, I love these stories. I do. And I hope that you love them as well. And I hope that you're taking lessons from them because I think that forgiveness is the center of so many problems in our lives because we feel that some things are just not forgivable. Well, that's not how the Lord sees it. And he challenges us and asks us to forgive others as he forgives us. So if you haven't already, I would like you to join the Hope Station Facebook page, where I want to continue to encourage, inspire, and motivate those who have these stories of hope to share them, to shape them, and to maybe even make a business from them. So next week, I'm going to go solo with my own forgiveness story. So until next week, I hope that you have a fantastic week full of faith, full of hope, and full of love. And thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you? And he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential in making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion. And it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, dianebells.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away. Why wait? Schedule your call today.